This episode was recorded on the country of the Boonwurrung Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I would like to thank them for the privilege of working, playing and exploring this magnificent part of the world. Before the Great Pyramids in Egypt had even been built, the Boonwurrung Bunurong people were here and they live here today, looking after country, after their families and looking after the community. Welcome to Weekend Birder. I'm Kirsty Costa and I'm a teacher, conservationist and a total bird nerd. This is the final episode of Tune Your Ear for Season 1. So far, we have listened to partalotes, lorikeets, whistlers, rails and crakes. And now, friends, it's time to tune our ears to the sound of honey eaters. Carol Probitz introduced us to the world of honey eaters in Episode 14. Wherever you are in Australia, there's going to be some sort of honey eater around, you know, from the alpine areas to to the driest deserts, to the coasts, to the tropics. Everywhere in Australia, there's there are some sorts of honey eaters, and they're so variable. They they range from the tiny, tiny scarlet honey eater, which is about the size of a gum leaf, up to wattle birds, which the largest wattle bird, the yellow wattle bird, which is forty five centimeters long. So you know, it's pretty big size range. They tend to be, you know, dominant pugnacious birds in the environment. They, they're always squabbling with each other, chasing each other away from the best flowers. They're very agile, fast, you know, fast flying and able to hang upside down and very acrobatic birds. But the word honey eater is actually a bit of a misnomer. They don't eat honey. They, they do eat nectar, nectar from flowers, but to various degrees. So some of them rely very largely on nectar and others less so. All honey eaters also feed on insects in addition to nectar and things like insect secretions. So that's things like lerps and honeydew and fruit at times. So, you know, they have actually quite a wide variety of food. So, you know, some of the features that distinguish honey eaters, they have a brush-like tongue. So if you imagine a little paintbrush that they can um, move in and out of their bill so it can extend beyond the tip of the bill, which they use that to gather up the nectar out of the flowers. They all have a a slightly down curved bill. It might be long and thin or it might be shorter and thicker, but it's always slightly down curved. And another thing about them is that when you're identifying them, it's often the features on the face. In this episode, we are going to listen to eight common honey eaters found in Australia. Their call may slightly depend on which area they are living in and what they're saying to each other, but we can get a general idea of some of their sounds. So let's start with the eastern spinebill. This is one of our smaller honey eaters at 15 to 17 centimetres long. It is named after its long, thin bill, which has a curved tip and a special purpose. The eastern spinebill hovers a lot like hummingbirds of the northern hemisphere, reaching into flowers with its bill and long tongue in order to feed on nectar. You will find this honey eater along the eastern and southeastern regions of Australia, in forests, woodlands and gardens that have an abundance of flowering plants. This bird is generally non-migratory, so it tends to hang out in the same area all year round. The eastern spinebill has distinct plumage, which we've learned in previous episodes means the colour, patterns and textures of its feathers. It has a black head with a white stripe behind its eye, a chestnut-coloured back and a white throat and underparts. It also has a dark stripe across its chest. 
The calls of the eastern spinebill are complex and melodic, from high-pitched tsip or tsit 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 sound to songs that include trills and warbles. This recording is by Ramit Singhal in Devonport, Tasmania, on the country of the Palawa people. That call of the eastern spinebill is really familiar to me, and I often hear it as I walk through the forests of the Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne. Let's listen to a second recording of an eastern spinebill to hear a different song. This is by Mark Anderson at Ulamai National Park in New South Wales on Wiradjuri Country. Our next honey eater is the New Holland honey eater. This bird is found in southeastern and southwestern Australia. And you will know it as soon as you see it because it has a really unique plumage that sets it apart from other birds. Look out for its black head, white collar, black and white striped chest and bright yellow patches on its wings. The New Holland honey eater will migrate within its local area in the search for food, shelter and places to nest. It is a highly vocal bird and has a diverse range of calls. That is why it is known as the Digi Digi by the Noongar people of southwestern Australia, the Wiraparinga by the Ghana people of South Australia and the Bilya Bilya by the Darawal people of New South Wales. One of my favourite calls of the New Holland honey eater is the tink or tick tink sound. This recording is by Mark Anderson in New South Wales on Darawal country. next honey eater, the noisy miner, has a bit of a reputation for being a bully. The reason why is that it lives in a complex social structure. Noisy miners live in family groups called colonies or mobs and engage in cooperative breeding where miners that are non-breeding will actually help to raise the young of others. Their complex social structure also causes them to be territorial and they will aggressively defend their group's territory against intruders including other birds. They will work as a group to attack and drive away potential threats, including larger birds and sometimes humans. Another reason why the noisy miner is well known is that it has found lots of ways to thrive in urban areas. In fact, it was the second most common bird seen by participants of BirdLife Australia's 2022 Aussie Bird Count. Its diverse diet includes nectar, pollen, insects, spiders, fruits and even small reptiles like lizards. In episode 35, Tom Hunt shared his knowledge and experience about creating bird-friendly gardens while also thinking about the power of noisy miners in their habitat. The other thing about planting is that in Australia, of course, we have lots of nectar-feeding birds and planting native flowers is a good way to, to attract some, some different species to your garden. The, the problem is, is that a lot of the humans are attracted to, to the biggest, showiest flowers that there are, and those flowers are often have evolved over prehistory to attract the biggest pollinating birds. So yeah, your things like your wattle birds, your rainbow lorikeets, and and your no- noisy miners, which uh, noisy miners especially are very very aggressive birds. They're natives, but they have done very well in towns and cities. They can really aggressively defend a patch of flowering plants. So if we plant lots of eucalypts with lot you know big flowers and you can get some grevilleas with amazingly large flowers with lots and lots of nectar. That actually can mean that you scare away the smaller species you might be trying to attract because these big bully birds come in wanting all that nectar and they're very aggressive to those smaller species. So again, if you're looking for 
um, native flowering plants that might attract birds, I would recommend going for the smaller flowered grevilleas. Some of them are still utterly spectacular. Things like kangaroo paw, which have um, relatively small flowers, which the bigger birds can't get into as easily, and some of the smaller banksia species. But even if you do have some of these showy, showy flowers, as long as you have those really dense areas that we talked about before for smaller birds to hide in, they can, they'll still come, they'll pop out and take a bit of nectar from those bigger flowers and um, still be able to feed before the bigger birds chase them away. Like all native birds, the noisy miners should be respected and cared for. That being said, we can actually engineer our gardens so that the noisy miner isn't the only dominant bird in the area. As Tom said, choose a range of plants and trees that have flowers and provide nectar, and also ones that provide places for little birds to feed and hide. The noisy miner is mainly grey in colour, with black feathers that run from the head to the nape of its neck. It has a bright yellow beak, bright splotch in its eye, and a yellow patch on its wing. This recording by David Vanderplume is of three birds communicating in Wombian in New South Wales on Gandagara country. Listen out for noisy miners can get real loud. In episode 14, Carol Probitz described the migration of the yellow-faced honey eater through the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. It's a phenomenon actually that's called the honey eater migration and it's not just the honey eaters that migrate but it's predominantly the honey eaters and it just so happens that the Blue Mountains is is one of the best places in Australia to see that. Not long after I first moved to the mountains I, I started noticing in certain places in autumn you just had this constant stream of particularly um, yellow-faced honey eaters just coming through in hundreds and hundreds so you know on a good day it's just totally overwhelming the the number of birds that fly through it's actually one of the most spectacular migration events in Australia and yet hardly anybody knows about it you know I mean people talk about the whale migration and you know the the big migrations in other continents but you know we have our own spectacular thing here that the honey eater migration I don't know about you, but watching the honey eaters migrate north during the winter is now officially on my birdwatching bucket list. The yellow-faced honey eater does indeed have a yellow face, a bright yellow patch of feathers that extends from its eye to the back of its head. This yellow mask stands out against its black head, throat and upper breast. It also has a really long tongue that it can extend and reach deeply into flowers. It can be found in a range of habitats across eastern and southeastern Australia, including coastal areas, woodlands, forests, heathlands, and the suburbs of cities and towns. This bird also has a great range of calls, from melodious songs, chattering notes, and harsh alarm calls. In birdwatching language, a bird's contact call is a call that it uses to communicate with its partner or others in its group. Contact call is a way for birds to keep in touch with each other, especially when moving through a habitat. Yellow-faced honeyeaters make a contact call that sounds a bit like chick, or chick. This recording is by Greg McLaughlin in Michelago, New South Wales, on Narigo country. the bird world, a plume means a long, soft, feathery structure that sticks out of a bird's body. During courtship or territorial displays, certain birds may erect or spread their plumes to create a really impressive effect. Plumes can also help a bird regulate its body temperature by trapping air close to its body. 
In this case, though, just to make things a little confusing for us, the plume on a white plumed honey eater simply describes the white streak of feathers that extends from behind its eye to the back of its head. Its plume doesn't really play a role like other birds. The white plumed honey eater also has a black head, neck, upper body, and also its underparts are white. Like other honey eaters, it breeds during spring and summer. It builds a cup shaped nest in the fork of a tree branch using twigs, grass, and spider webs. The female lays two to five eggs, which are incubated by both parents until the chicks hatch about two weeks later. The parents feed their chicks insects and larvae until they are ready to leave the nest after another two to three weeks. White plumed honey eaters make a variety of calls. I love hearing their chatter call, which is a series of rapid high pitch notes. This recording is by Hank Crunkenbrick in Mount Remarkable National Park, which is known as Wangiara by the Nakuna people of South Australia. We have three honey eaters to go. This next one feels really familiar to me. I grew up listening to red wattlebirds outside my bedroom window in Melbourne. They are one of the largest honey eaters in Australia at about 35 to 40 centimetres in length. The wattle on a red wattlebird is the bright red fleshy skin that hangs down from the side of its neck. When it is trying to impress a mate, this wattle can become inflated or extended. Imagine that. Like other honey eaters, the red wattle bird has an important role in its ecosystem because it uses its long beak to feed and then carry pollen from flower to flower, which helps the plant pollinate. They are super smart birds and scientists have observed them solving problems like using tools such as sticks and leaves to extract their prey from a crack in the concrete or a log. Their smarts have enabled them to thrive in different habitats in eastern and southern Australia. They have a loud and distinctive call that consists of various harsh, grating and melodious notes. Their calls are often heard in a repetitive pattern, which helps them to establish and defend their territories. This recording is by Catherine Clover at Mary Creek in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. Shout out to the friends of Mary Creek for all the work that they are doing in this important part of the world. Here's my confession. Up until recently, I didn't realise that there was another species of wattlebird living in Melbourne. I just thought that the little wattlebird was actually a juvenile or female red wattlebird. My eyes popped open in my head when I found out that this is actually a separate species. And imagine my delight when I found out that the little wattlebird can actually mimic sounds, including the calls of other birds and things in its environment. You will find it in eastern, southern and southwestern Australia. The little wattle bird is mostly dark grey-brown above, with faint white shafts on each of its feathers. The underparts are grey and streaked with white. Its eye is blue-grey, except in western Australia where its eye is red. In episode one, my mum Marilyn said that she always knows when a wattle bird is flying past. Well, one way of telling is just a tail feathers because they ban out in a concave shape. And then when they're flying, they sort of go flap, flap, glide, flap, flap, glide, flap, flap, glide. So you know that that is a wattle bird. Little wattle birds are skilled and agile flyers. They can perform acrobatics in the air, including quick changes in direction, hovering and diving. And this allows them to navigate through dense vegetation with ease. 
This recording by Jeremy Hegg is of a little wattle bird taking a bath and singing in Brisbane Water National Park on Gurungai Country. See if you can also hear the striated partalote in the background. Our final honey eater is the brown honey eater. It's tiny but mighty because it is one of the smallest honey eaters in Australia, about 11 to 13 centimetres long, but it has a loud and strong melodious song that carries through its habitat. Despite its name, the brown honey eater isn't all brown. It has a combination of brown, olive and grey feathers. It also has a bright yellow patch on its throat and upper breast. It has a slightly shorter bill than the other honey eaters that we've been listening to. You will find it in northern and western parts of Australia during the wet season. It then migrates to southern Australia during the dry season in search of nectar-producing flowers and insects. That being said, some populations don't migrate at all because they've got stable food all year round. The brown honey eater's contact call is a melodious tsi sound. This recording by Colin Trainer is in Nightcliff in Darwin on the country of the Larrakia people. You have tuned your ear to eight common Australian honey eaters. Here's a weird fact. Some honey eaters occasionally use what is called anting behaviour. They deliberately allow ants to crawl on their feathers in order to expose themselves to formic acid released by the ants. This acid acts as a natural insect repellent, and scientists think that honey eaters do it to stop parasites and mites from crawling onto their bodies. Birds are so smart. Friends, this is the last Tune Your Ear episode for Season 1. In the next and final episode of the season, you will discover some good news stories from around Australia. Many thanks to all the people who have taken the time to share their bird recordings on the Xenocanto website. Links to these recordings can also be found in the show notes. Do you have a topic request for Weekend Birder Season 2? Email me at hello at weekendbirder.com or complete the form on the Weekend Birder website and I'll do some sleuthing to see what is possible. <laughs>